All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. You can download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritious smoothies, drinks, and foods that will get you through the day as we welcome in Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Hey, sorry, Spec, a little late, a couple minutes late. We started talking about that wild game last night and just couldn't get enough of it. The uh, Tennessee and Miami tilt. Did you watch the end of that Ah. thing? There you go. I didn't. Uh, I was watching a little hockey. Yeah. And actually, to be honest with you, I had my eye on Green Bay, uh, New York, a little bit, so I didn't see much of that. But I saw the highlights. It had a hell of an ending to it. <laughs> it was crazy. It, what you know, it hasn't happened in like six hundred games in the NFL where a team is trailed by that many points. And if you were watching the the Calgary game last night, Calgary, Colorado kind of similar situation. You know, it's 10 minutes left in the game. Calgary looks to have things in control. Uh, Colorado comes back, wins at 6-5. So now, you know, Calgary, uh, they're just sort of, they're just sort of treading water right now where the Oilers are kind of the exact opposite. So it's a, a tale of two stories in our provincial cities for sure. Yeah. Calgary got, uh, you know, and that's such a tough loss because, I mean, they're for so many reasons. First of all, they got back-to-back. They played tonight in Vegas. Uh, yeah. They blocked 30 shots in that game, so the team was selling out all over the place. They didn't even get a loser point when they were leading with, like, nine minutes left. Uh, and they lost Tanev on the first shift. Another wicked hit from behind, a four-checker on a defenseman. Uh, Tanev played, I think, 15 seconds in that game, Kevin. He's mm-hmm. out, and I don't know for how long at this point. We'll probably find out more today, but I wonder what the league's going to do here. This is the fourth instance of a, of a hard, hard, dangerous hit from behind here in the last, you know, since Friday night. Uh, there's a rash of these hits going on right now. You know, I was listening to Cassie Campbell a bit last night on the panel, Spec. And when they did announce the David Perron suspension for six games, one of the first things she said is that maybe the league is making up, and not to say that Perron didn't deserve six games, but making up for deficiencies in what they've kind of looked at and allowed. And you you mentioned it. There have been more of these checks from behind, and this is what I thought the league was trying to get rid of. Hey, I'm here to tell you, there's more checking from behind today than there was before they invented the checking from behind penalty. Okay. So it hasn't helped. Like Jay and I were talking about this last night when they came in with rule 14 and there was all those hits they were trying to eliminate. Remember it was cook on Savard and Colby Armstrong with that coming around the net hit. Everyone hated rule 14 worked, right? It, it eliminated a lot of the headshots. Rafi Torres, it pushed him right out of the game, man. It was a successful innovation in the NHL rule book. They did a good job with that rule. This rule hasn't worked. This rule has defensemen counting on the referee and the rule book to protect them, and they're not protecting themselves. And it's not helping here. It's not. There's more, more dangerous hits today. It, this is anecdotal. But in my eyes, there's more hitting from behind now than there was before they put the rule in. So it's time to take maybe a harder look at this. I know we've had a bunch in a row, and I'm not, I know there's probably some recency bias here. But I would say to you that big picture, if you compare it to eliminating hits to the head, which they've been pretty successful at, 
they have not been very successful on this front. It's probably time to take a fresh look at it, Kevin. So why do you think that is, Speck? And I mean, it's not an always situation, but I always remember Brian Burke, and I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. He was a big proponent of the bear hug kind of thing. If you were going in, and I mean, you can't always say this because, I mean, you know, forwards are closing on defensemen differently in different speeds and different space between the checks. But, you know, I remember, you know, Burke saying if you can just sort of bear hug the guy, don't call that as a penalty, but you're sort of protecting the guy. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, why why hasn't this been sort of rectified a lot more, as you've said? Well, I think it's it's really, I guess, you know, let's think this through, okay? So the refs and player safety have failed in an attempt to protect that defenseman. It's, it's just not working for, we could talk all day about what the reasons are, but as opposed to the, to the hits to the head where they started suspending Rafi Torres for six, then 10, then 15 games, that stuff's gone away because they've been successful. So why haven't they been successful at protecting defensemen, right? Is it, you know, are, are we counting on, let's talk about the Evander Kane on, on, um, Brodeen hit. Mm-hmm. So maybe so we're we're counting on Evander Kane to protect basically Brodeen. We're counting on him to to hug that player, to hold that player, to slow down a little bit on his way in, to not drill that guy. You know, I thought Tanev last night turned at the last second. You know, he mm-hmm. increased the visual of his numbers right at the last second, and he got hit really hard. I think it was Ross Colton, wasn't it? Yes. Um. So. What are you going to blame Ross Colton for? The hit changed at the last second, and it's Tanev's fault that it changed. So I can't, the referee can't fix that, and Ross Colton can't fix that, right? Tanev has to fix that. So, geez, it's hard. It's a tough one. And I think you're right. I think players should get a little more responsible and quit, you know, hitting each other that way. But it's a fast game. And, and I'm here to tell you, man, today's player. They're not that they're not that interested in helping their fellow defensemen. I think they don't care that much, to be honest. You know, years ago, Speck, you used to look for guys like that. You would look for guys that were in a vulnerable position, in a danger position, because you just wanted to rip. You didn't think about any repercussions, but that's that's how it was a long time ago. And I think the players just got so much bigger and faster. And and again, as you say, the game is just going a million miles an hour now. The guys on the fourth line now, um, or the guys on the fourth line years ago, wouldn't be able yeah. to play in today's NHL. It's that simple. Oh, and and we talk about how you know, all of this started when they the, there was a big push across the whole hockey landscape. And remember, they brought in the stop sign on kids' uniforms, mm-hmm. and I think that's been pretty successful. Like I think that's worked. But here's what you can't do. You can't compare Bantam and Pee Wee Hockey, or whatever we're calling it now, to the NHL. It's not the same thing, mm-hmm. okay? These guys are pros. When they get out of minor hockey, they take off their cages. They take off their um, ear flaps. They take off their neck guards. They're pros, and they're playing fast and hard, and it's we're not in stop sign territory here. It's a different deal. So you know what? If this is the way NHL players want to play, I'm not, you know, short of just suspending this thing out of the game the way they did with headshots, I'm not sure what else you can do. You know, the other thing too, Spec, is that coaches, organizations 
tell the players, you got to get in hard on the forecheck. you got to make something happen. You've got to have some separation from that defenseman. And if you can, you want to uh, send a message. If you can hit him two, three, four times during the game, that's going to slow him up yep. by the end of the game. And if you don't yep. do that, we'll find someone else who does. <laughs> oh yeah you know so so let's think this through again so so when they when they got rid of the headshots they actually got rid of the players right the rafi torres is i remember him telling me face to face if i don't play this way if i don't throw this hit i can't play in this league this is my job well guess what they eliminated that job not just rafi but that guy that open ice you know, high hitter. He doesn't exist anymore. That job's gone the same way the giant heavyweight plays three minutes. That job's gone too. But here's what you can eliminate. You can't eliminate a hard forecheck. You can't take that out of hockey, right? You can't eliminate, you know, getting in on their top defense. Like you play out uh, Vegas in the, in a playoff series. What's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to start pounding on Petrangelo from the first period of the first game and think that by game five and six, it's going to start really taking a toll. That's at the heartbeat of of our sport. You can't eliminate that the way we eliminated heavyweights, the way we eliminated Rafi Torres. So it's a conundrum. You can't take that out of the game. If you start taking banging defensemen on the forecheck out of the game, what do we got left here? Nothing. Not yep. much, anyway. Well, we have rec hockey is what we have. And I mean... We got rec hockey. You know, yep. so... Okay, I'm coming to hit you. <laughs> here I come. Be careful. Watch out. I'm coming. Is that what we're doing here? You, you sound like that, like it's uh, what we were talking earlier with the Duke of Delburn here, spec with the uh, Delburn Outlaws and the Stetler Lightning. That's what you were, you were referring to. That's <laughs> that's basically what happens every week down in Delburn. <laughs> yeah, well, like if you and me are playing rec hockey and I'm following you into the corner, obviously I'm not pounding you into the glass mm. <laughs> and I'm actually making sure look let's I'm not putting my stick in your feet because I don't want you to smash into the boards because we're just having a good time it's not like that in the National Hockey League they're playing for millions of dollars worth of paychecks guys are worried about themselves and not worried about each other near as much quick text text from not Fred here spec kind of gets to what we're talking about uh, you could reinstate the opposite defenseman slowing the four checker down uh, this is a longer text I won't get to it all but the NHL took that out of the game because they didn't want that impediment. Yep, yep. the the hook and ride, yep. right? The hook and ride interference. We've we've sped the game up so much. So not only, right? Not only did we take, and I'm I'm actually for the fact that they've taken out, um, you know, impeding that, players yeah. by using your stick and, and interference away from the play. I'm I'm all for that, but at the same time, the players have got way faster. So it's a double whammy, right? A faster player faces less impediment than a guy 10, 15 years ago. And here's where we are. There's less time for the defenseman. And in on top of that, defensemen aren't playing the game the same way they did back in the old days. Ken Danico never showed you his numbers, I'm here to tell you, <laughs> because he knew if he did, he was going to get pasted right in the numbers. He never showed you his numbers. The other thing... And today's player does. Yeah, the other thing is that, and Struddy will be the first to tell you this, if guys are um, giving you a run on the back end, back in the day your stick used to be up. So you want to yep. come and give me a run, well, you're probably going to take a couple, a uh, uh, yep. little bit of lumber in the chicklets. Hey, so. I mean, I get a lot of things have left our yep. game, and usually for the better. We're not, you know, and... and I'm here to tell you, I don't want all my defensemen playing the way Ken Danico played. I like Kale McCarr better. 
but with the change comes some adjustment. And, and of all the adjustments they've made in hockey, and many have been made and almost all successful, the game is better today, right? It's a better game. No one's saying it's not. This is one area that's been tricky here, and they haven't been able to figure it out. Quick comment tonight, Spec on the Blackhawks and the Oilers at Rogers and Connor Bedard's first visit to uh, Edmonton. Yeah, this will be fun. I think we're all looking forward to it. I know that having followed Connor McDavid around from town to town, especially in his first few years, it was a, a, an air of excitement in every town. You go into Buffalo, you go into Detroit, you go into you know the good hockey towns like Boston, and they're all getting their first look at Connor McDavid. It was a big deal, and there was a buzz in the building. And I think we should have we'll have the same thing here tonight. You know, Connor versus Connor, and and uh, you know I want to see this kid play and. Far more importantly for everything than that is the orders need to just put on a – if they just play the way they've been playing, they'll beat Chicago. They just have to play a strong defensive game, get a little goaltending, they'll beat Chicago. Uh, what they don't need to turn this thing into is a giant track meet because that's what, the way Chicago would prefer to play. Uh, don't worry, they'll get their goals on Chicago. I've watched them play. There's some goals to be had there. All right, Speck, thanks for this. Uh, we'll see you down at the rink. All right, Kev. That's uh, On The Mark, powered by Booster Juice, energized by Booster Juice. You can get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, we'll check out the other barrel of the Hockey Insider Double Barrel Shotgun in the 8 o'clock hour on Tuesdays. Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are totally pumped. Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca as we welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Good morning, Frank. Kevin, how you doing? It's been an interesting uh, weekend. We were watching all the NFL games last night. Did you have a, a chance to watch those two games last night? I did not. I was still sopping up my tears from their (laughs) Eagles getting their doors blown off two weeks in a row by the best, the two best teams in the NFC. Well, you are right on that. Uh, Yesterday, we were talking about the Eagles, Frank. They could be the best or the worst 10 and 3 team going right now. What's up? I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Um, Yeah, when you go up against stiff competition in your conference and you don't come out even close. It's a tough spot to be in, but at the same time, there's a real chance that they finish with the number one seed still in the NFC, which would allow them to at least avoid some of that carnage. And there is carnage, and right now Dallas is playing well, and I mean, San Fran, I mean, it's going to be tough to get out of the NFC. There's no question about that. Uh, Feels like the path is a lot easier out of the AFC this year, doesn't it? Well, even if you look at what happened last night, I mean, to see Tennessee beat Miami, and Miami had a good path, and now they're in a little bit of trouble, and Baltimore seems to be the only any, team. Is anyone scared by the Ravens? No, but, I mean, at least they have the the fact that the, the teams behind them aren't like a Dallas or something like that. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. Philly. Totally. You know, so... Uh, David Perron gets a half dozen games yesterday for his cross check. It'll be appealed, I assume. What do you make of what happened and where it goes from here? Man, it's a stiff penalty. And look, without a doubt, David Perron deserved to be suspended. I I think I'm surprised on two fronts. One, that on the same day that the NHL Department of Player Safety is handing out justice, also to Eric Branson for his role in, in retaliating or responding for a hit that he didn't like. 
Is it really possible that what David Perron did is six times worse than what Eric Goodbranson did? That that part to me, I'm a little lost. I get the idea of taking justice into your own hands. I don't like the cross check to the face. Don't get me wrong. Don't mistake that part at all. It's just now I'm surprised that not only is it six times worse, but also even more so that the Department of Player Safety would even open itself up to an appeal from a neutral arbitrator in this case that why wouldn't they just go one game less at five and leave it to a, a commissioner appeal? And then, like, do you think it gets down to five or does it stay at six? It's hard to say. I mean, you'd have to really go through the precedent and take a look back at recent history of cross checks to the face. I don't seem to remember a lot of them rising to that level of six. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Mark Spector on just a, right before you, as we always do, except for last week, Frank. Boy, lots of things going on about that with the changing of time slots, but just kidding. Uh, sorry, sorry to throw you through a loop there. <laughs> it really did. Uh, and we were talking about maybe the fact there are, seems to be a few more checking from behind instances. Do you see that? And, I mean, we had one last night, Chris Tanov, again. Uh, what are you seeing in that sense with checking from behind penalties yeah i think a few end results have been ugly to look at but i take a look at and i did see the tanev one last night but i take a look at the nick cousins hit on good branson and i know a lot of people don't like the way that it finishes of course with good branson eating a face full of dasher board not pretty and i understand Mm -hmm. why he was upset but if you really break down the hit which obviously the NHL officials did on the ice in real time because they originally called a major penalty and rescinded that reduced it to a two minute minor, which is actually where I think it should have ended up. Cousins is a quarter of a stride late. He's so very close to getting good Branson on the shoulder and making it a textbook hit where he turns his body into the boards. It also kind of looked like good Branson lost an edge as he went into the board. So Tough spot because no one likes the way that the end result looks and certainly a dangerous play when it's all said and done. But I don't really notice from my end any sort of uptick in that regard with hits from behind. I think there's been a few questionable tough ones, but I don't think anything out of the realm of normal for a season. Frank Saravalli with us on Sports 1440. A few things on uh, Daily Faceoff in the last little while, Frank. We'll get to your Jacob Chikrin interview. I like that one. Uh, but also Alex Ovechkin. Just, uh, you know, he's only got five goals. He's still, what, 67 behind the total of Wayne Gretzky's 894. Where do you see this kind of shaking down here? Well, look. Alex Ovechkin's been counted out many times before, right? Like we're thinking, oh, Father Time is finally going to catch up with him. And at age, you know, 38 now, you would think that, you know, maybe this time is for real. This start has been really surprising because this is still someone that last year at, at 37 had 42 goals. Now his shooting percentage has fallen off a cliff this year. It's down to 5.6%. His career average is almost 13 So it's been cut in half and more so than that. But to me, there's an eye test thing going on. If you really watch Alex Ovechkin closely, he seems to have not just lost one step, but multiple steps. His skating isn't anywhere near the level that it used to be at. And that part is concerning to me because if he isn't able to get to the spot and get open, then he's going to have a really hard time getting shots off. And his shooting percentage, in fact, may really be reduced as a result of that. 
Now, park that for a second. I still think Alex Ovechkin will play until he's 49, (laughs) if that's what it takes in order to get to this goal-scoring record, because it seems to be a very singular focus for him to get there. The math would seem to still indicate, as Matt Larkin wrote on dailyfaceoff.com, that he can get there by the last year of his deal in 2026. Mm -hmm. But for the first time really in a few years, after it looked like he was going to not just you know, beat the record, but assault it. Um, the math is starting to get a little fuzzy. It, it's funny, Frank, that, you know, even when he was on that little roll a couple of years ago, people were going, you know, a thousand goals isn't out of the question here. I mean, th- think about how many years were left on his deal. Two years ago, he had 50. Last year, he had 42. And all of a sudden, he has five and 25 this year. And we're like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. What's happening here? Is he is he possibly able to even still get to eight ninety four for the first time in a few years? That mm-hmm. that question is in play, and a lot of people still seem to think that he'll get there. Not when, uh, not really sure when you did that interview with uh, Jacob Chikrin, but uh, in Sweden it was in Sweden. Okay, so a little while back, but I mean, this guy, what whatever he's putting into his body, it's a little different than what's on the uh, Cerevali Carius diet. I'm sure. Yeah, well, I'm on the seafood diet. I don't know about you, Kevin. I see food and I eat it. Uh, that's that's generally how it works. And I also more or less look at food and you can just add it to my waistline. Um, look, Jacob Chikrin has been through a lot and I didn't even realize it before sitting down with him to talk about his career and how things have unfolded. Not just the injuries that we've all seen, but little things like a bone spur in his foot that was created by uh, improperly aligned skates. Like, I wish I was kidding, but he Mm. said he had the Coyotes trainers at one point in Chicago on a road trip, go to a local hockey shop and pick up a pair of stock skates because he was so tired of the issues that he was having with his skate manufacturers. That's something that we'd never hear about. And he's not offering it as an excuse, but just to kind of say, Hey, a lot of players go through things that we don't necessarily see. And sometimes when we're critical of their performance, and I don't think anyone ever really was critical of Jacob Chikrin's performance. It was more so, why does this guy always seem to miss time? And the stories were interesting, but what's abundantly clear to me and probably anyone who listens is this is someone that not only really cares, but takes his performance and what he puts into his body, every step of his process in terms of getting onto the ice really seriously. Is he, where would you, like, I mean, he's still kind of, I, I look at when he was up for trade there and everyone in Edmonton wanted to see Jacob Chikrin here. And, you know, he ends up going. And the to, Oilers went, the, they went pretty far down the path. Yeah, you know? that's what I mean. So, but I just don't see him, like, where, where do you see him? Like, is, a, is he a top three defenseman on a good team? I think he's a. I think he's an upper echelon number two. Okay. If we just don't now, see enough, I guess, I haven't seen enough of him to be at at a number two slot. I guess. Oh well, I mean, again, you said enough of. Like, look at his his games played the last few years. I don't uh, mean enough for, games. I mean enough of what he can offer. Well, I mean, it's also in the eye of the beholder, yeah. and and I think part of it is the Oilers clearly weighed out the impact versus the cost. And I think what's, if you're an Euler fan and, and not to, you know, go down a rabbit hole here, but if you were to compare the two players and the term remaining on their deals and the cap hits, 
And then also the price paid. Like the Oilers really didn't pay much less to get Matthias Ekholm than Chikrin. And I just look at the age scheme and all that comes with that, his ability to play both sides. He's only 25. Like at varying points, now Ekholm has has, you know, played better of late the last few weeks. And the Oilers' defense as a whole has been. That's been the real eye-opener to me, Kevin, mm-hmm. watching these last few weeks is how much more sound they've been defensively. Yes, the offense can score and the power play's clicking and you've gotten better stuff uh, in net from Stuart Skinner, but they've been a lot cleaner in their own end. And, and Ekholm's been part of that. But the disparity between the two and and what we were seeing from Ekholm to start this year, the hip flexor, all that, I don't know. Like I, I might have gone with Chikrin instead of Ekholm, even if it meant paying a slight premium. Mm-hmm. Frank Saravalli, Daily Faceoff with us on Sports 1440. What have you made of uh, Patrick Kane so far in Detroit? Wings lose uh, last night to Dallas, but what have you seen so far in the return of Patrick Kane? I, I think he's been electric. I know he's got one goal, one point to show for it, but if you look at the way that he's impacting the play and when you look at um, just his game-breaking ability – that high-end skill, the timing, the rest of it, some of the skating, that's all going to come back over the next few weeks. And by late January, early February, I think you're really going to see Patrick Kane take off to another level. Where do you see with Dylan Larkin? I mean, he's going to go on IR, I believe. That's correct? Yes. So, I mean, that's I think it's going to be short-term. Short-term? At least for now. Um I was a little disappointed, by the way, in the way that the Red Wings handled, you know, the announcement of his injury, again, mm-hmm. calling it upper body. I feel like we're dealing, some would say in semantics, but more than that, when you don't properly call it what it is, which is a player that was knocked unconscious, which makes it an automatic grade three concussion, I feel like you're you're lessening the impact of what it sounds like to fans and everyone else watching. Anyone that saw Dylan Larkin sprawled out almost like, a Lifeless, chalk yeah. outline uh, yeah. at a crime scene. That's about as scary as it gets. And for them to sort of, they didn't downplay it because they mentioned how serious it was and how concerned they are. But it, it feels like you are, you know, using some obtuse language to prevent from saying what it really is. The start of the season when you saw Connor Bedard make his trip out east and he hit all the big centers in Boston, Toronto, Montreal, and now we're going to see him here tonight for the first time in Edmonton. You know, I think it's a big night for Oiler fans. Uh, just what do you make of, uh, I guess, Connor Bedard's first trip out out here in this part of the neck of so the woods? So special. Yeah. I, I wish that he had more support around him, but what you're seeing from him now is an ability to, to do things on his own, which at age 18 um, is really difficult to do. I mean, even Connor McDavid, when he stepped into the league, had way more surrounding him. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Bedard and, and the goal-scoring ability, we all knew that was there. But the vision, the creativity, um, the awareness, the skating is way better than we thought. Like, you know, I said yesterday, when it's all said and done – there's no doubt in my mind that Connor McDavid is is going to be on the NHL's Mount Rushmore. He might already be there in mm. terms of the top four players of all time. But Connor Bedard, I think, is going to be in the next rung down when it's all said and done. So Connor versus Connor, our first taste of it tonight. I can't wait to see it. And I know that as someone who clearly looks up to Connor McDavid 
um, Connor Bedard is going to be juiced up and ready to go as well. Uh, I think Oilers fans are really looking forward to this one. Uh, Grant Fuhrer is off today with us, Frank, but we've got Brian Benning pinch hitting. I don't, I don't know how well or if you know Brian Benning, but he used to play a couple seasons in Philadelphia. Uh, if you get a chance, he will tell a story later if you get a chance to find it on the interweb on, a, on the show here about a hunting trip when he was playing for the Flyers. Okay. It is one of the best hockey slash, you know, whatever stories you want to hear, just how it all played out. Uh, so I'm just going to give you the heads up on that one. I, I am looking forward to it. Any old time oh. hockey story is that's right up my alley. I can tell you it involved one of the best goaltenders in Flyers history and also a, another gentleman who just went into the Hockey Hall of Fame. How's that sound? Uh, well, those early 90s Flyers teams, they were like my first introduction to hockey so i would have been going to a lot of those games at the spectrum well you probably saw exactly you saw all three of the combatants involved in this story so it's going to be good uh thanks for this frank uh, enjoy the games tonight we'll talk to you on thursday have a good one kevin that's frank saravalli our headliner of the day for mr Ruder. there's a reason they call him mr for all your plumbing needs you can go to mr we will get to some of your texts and a lot of them coming in imac lindy shovelhead not fred hacksaw all of those and more coming up right after the break on the kevin carey show stay with us help duke lindy need a little help on that one who we got uh that's midland oh they're a bit of a, well, they're like, they're they're current, but they got a little bit of a, a throwback sound to them. A little more 90s honky-tonk era country music. It's a good song. song. I mean, it's oh, got a, a good beat one. to it. Oh, I love that song. That's it's a little honky-tonk action. Precisely. We would be playing that in the Delburn bar after the, uh, what, here, here's this text. I got to get to this one before we get to, uh, uh, where is it? Oh, yeah. The Earl of Erskine. The biggest party in town and the senior hockey games in Stettler. The Imperials are the original name and they go back to the 1940s Imperial Gulf Oil. Did you know that? Uh, I knew that that was the reason. Like I knew it was an old um, kind of a heritage name when they because they just got their senior team uh, a couple seasons ago. There's only their third year in the league. Mm -hmm. uh, And it was quite the contested idea because Stettler is several times over the size of every other town in this league. So obviously a bigger pool of players to draw from. They went to the league finals their first year, and they're looking like a powerhouse again this season. So, uh, yeah, Earl of Erskine, that's uh, the aforementioned um, (laughs) sort of brother-in-law, Bardsey. That's where him and my sister live now in Erskine. They just bought a house there uh, earlier this year. So Erskine, fine little place. Uh, Not really much going on there. The Erskine Diner right (laughs) off Highway 12, but... Uh, the vicinity to Stettler is a, a nice bonus, but you still get the small town feel. I also. went on that. Uh, they call what is it? The the railway, the train. The train. Yeah, from uh, Stettler to be, uh, Big Valley. Well, they bring the cowboys out, right? The cowboys <laughs> rob the train. Yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, we yeah. every everybody okay. in our neck yeah. of the woods goes on that. It's like a school trip when you're a kid. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Oh, it's fun. You it's kind of cool. I mean, hey, riding the train, that's not something that, uh, and like a real train, not the LRT, which we don't want to open that. We don't open that can of worms. <laughs> that train from Stettler is probably better run than the LRT <laughs> in Edmonton. <laughs> a lot of uh, texts coming in when we were checking in with the uh, NFL in the, the two games last night. Uh Green Bay lost, you know, they can't lose to the Giants, 24-22. Tennessee over Miami, 28-27. Texters coming in, uh, Chomsker says Tua was possibly concussed in the second quarter, plus the backup O-line couldn't give the defense 
I'll rest. That's some yeah. Th- three three backup O linemen in for the Dolphins, and Tua did take a couple couple shots, and obviously his history with the uh, the concussions is alarming. Because and like think about it, this is a guy that coming out of college profiled as a real two way style quarterback, mm-hmm. but he takes those couple big hits, and uh, Which- n- now he very 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 rarely will run the ball, but. He gets the ball away faster than any other quarterback in the league. Yes, because so he has the fastest players. He does, but he's always he doesn't want to take that hit. Would you? No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So 100%. that's how they again, you're saying he doesn't run anymore, which very rarely he does. He did a couple times last night. But he wants to get the ball out of his hand so fast that he doesn't put himself in the position to take any unnecessary hits. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Dolphins offense, and you can attribute it to the uh, the O line being, uh, you know, kind of pieced together. Um, a backup center in that's always uh, a concerning one when you're, you know, because the, they fumbled the ball in one snap uh, early in the game. Uh, so whether it be the O line, uh, the Tyree Kill factor, you know, with very limited mm-hmm. playing um, throughout the middle of the game, it, it just did not look like the same Dolphins offense. And you got to give credit to the Titans too, because this is a Mike Vrabel coach team. And even if the Titans are bad, which I do still think they are, even with this win, they're not a good team. Mike Vrabel coach teams will always compete, and uh, you know they'll try and drag you down into the 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 trenches and the and the gutters where they're comfortable playing. And that's kind of what they did last night. You know, Vrabel was interviewed, yeah, uh, in the first quarter. Uh, Laura Rutledge, who mm-hmm. I really like, you know, she does the NFL live during yes. the day at two o'clock, and then she does a lot of these Thursday night games as well. She's her questions are good to the point, and they're not to the in the sense where the coach looks at her and goes, "What what are you doing? Like, what? Are you, why are you asking me that?" And Vrabel is still he's good, even though they were behind and they were they they, they weren't in the game. He was. Uh, polite and he offered a good response but he said I like at least our defense is competing you know we know that these guys are going to have a track meet against us but our defense is competing Uh, you responded to this one texture about the idea any idea what the live odds for uh, against with Miami with three minutes to go so with Tennessee must have been minus 5,000 minimum well we did say it was Mm 0.4% for them to come back so whatever that is it's a lot How's that sound? And you know what? With Mark Spector and now Frank Cervalli, a lot of text coming in about hitting from behind, cross-checking, yada, yada. This comes from Hacksaw. 2K. It started by letting D-men cross-check guys in the back out front of the net, uh, which now has become a normal way to get a player off the puck. I would change the rule to allow a one-handed push in the back, but anything with two hands is an immediate penalty like cross-checking used to be. I think Hacksaw, if you look at how that has changed in front of the net, you will see that the players, uh, the defensemen in front of their own net, have their hands much, much closer together, almost side by side. So it's, I think you can have that happen. If your hands are really close together, it's almost like a punching motion. As soon as you separate your hands on the stick, that's when uh, a penalty probably should come into play. Uh, Fred's text, and we got to it a little bit with spec. You could reinstate the opposite defenseman slowing the forechecker down. There is no ability to slow down that forechecker. Gets them in quicker. But again, we this is something that we didn't want to see because you were impeding the play. You were slowing down the game. And I, I think if you were to bring this back, you probably would go, uh, I don't like this. I don't like this because 
you're it's it's interference. That's not, that's the guy's lane. He's he has the ability to take that lane, take that space on the ice just as much, just as much as the defenseman. So I think you probably, if you saw it and brought it back, not Fred, you'd go, I like it the way it is. Uh, Shovelhead just goes, how about the obvious? Don't turn your back on the forecheck. And again, I think Speck did mention that with uh, Kenny Danico. I mean, and, and guys like, you know, Stretti always said, if guys are going to come start running me, my my stick and hands are up. And you're the one coming into me. So you're the one that is, you're the offensive player here. You come at me in full tilt just because my hands are up a little bit. That's going to deter you. How's that sound? Oh, there we go. Uh, Lundy's not happy about Frank. Well, a couple of people weren't happy about Frank. About, oh, the Eagles. Uh, D-men have been putting themselves in bad spots, i.e. Tana. But the Cousins hit on Good Branson was reckless. Also, the Ravens are the best team in the AFC. Pretty tough to argue that about the Ravens. But again, with Frank saying about NFC, AFC, it's not even close. I would say that Three, the top three teams are in the NFC. Would you say that? And I would put Baltimore at four. I still think Philadelphia is better than Baltimore. I I think they are very close. I will give the edge to Baltimore because unlike Philly, they have answered the bell uh, when playing some of these good teams. So um, like Frank has said, and we've talked about it over the past couple of days too, like, Philly's schedule down the stretch here gets... Like, they just finished their gauntlet part of the schedule. Dallas still has to go through it. And I'm not saying Dallas... I mean, Dallas just beat the Eagles. And that's why, at this point, I'm putting them ahead of them. And not only just in the standings, but kind of, you know, quote-unquote power rankings. But I think I would, at the moment, put Baltimore ahead of Philly. But it's, Philly could easily still win the Super Bowl at the mm-hmm. same time. Like, it's it's crazy how competitive the NFC is with its kind of top-heavy nature. And then the AFC, it's uh, pretty much a card game. <laughs> like, am, deuces are wild. Am I correct right now, Duke, just looking at if the playoffs were to start tomorrow in the NFC, Dallas would play the Packers? Uh, as of as of right now, sorry. Yeah, as of right now, sorry. Excuse me. Uh, so, yes, Dallas. Dallas would play the Pack right now. Yeah, and Detroit would play the Vikings, and yeah. then the Eagles would play the Buccaneers. So in in Tampa. <laughs> I mean, but if you're the Eagles, you go. I'll take that game every day. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, the the, um, the Bucks. Yeah, it's interesting. They, uh, I think they would prefer a different matchup because of all the teams to pro. I I, I don't think they match up well against anybody. I think. If the Bucks can hold on and win the division, or it's the Falcons, or by some miracle Saints. the Saints, like whoever wins that division is not winning a playoff game. I'm <laughs> I'm sorry, like they're not. It is so. It is. We just said it. The difference in the top three teams compared to the rest of the NFC is stark. And for a while, we were putting the Lions in that conversation, but their defense has regressed back to where we saw it last year, where they're going to have to score forty points every week to win a game. And it's funny, as you said, after the top three teams in the NFC, it is garbage. Whereas in the AFC, there's probably better teams. Like even even right now, the Broncos, I would you I, the Broncos are a better team than the Packers. They're a better team than the Vikings. And I they're would not, concur. They're and they're not even in the playoffs right now. No. Like th- there's there's eleven teams still in the mix 
to make the playoffs in the AFC. And technically, you could say the same for the, the NFC, but that also includes the Saints and Falcons who are only in it because they might win their division. And and this was another thing, going back to, to an in-and-out question mm-hmm. a number of weeks ago. I said two sub-500 teams would make the playoffs. Right As of right now, the NFC South-leading Buccaneers and the seven-seed Packers are both below 500. Adam and Spruce text in. Keep the senior hockey talk coming, guys. I agree. And maybe Adam can help us out. And if anyone else can help us out, because we uh, we broached this subject uh, several months ago about where senior hockey is going in Alberta, particularly mm-hmm. northern Alberta, because, you know, we had Bentley Generals, we had Stony Plain Eagles, Fort Saskatchewan had a good team. Mm-hmm. But there was a good league, right? You had, and then there was, I th- what, there was another team in there as well. It was a good league, and you had senior AAA hockey, you call it, because those teams were getting ready to play for the Allen Cup. And then normally I think you would play Rosetown out of Saskatchewan. That was the team that came out of out of that area. But also War Road, Minnesota had a team hmm. back in the day, Duke. So there was uh, just to get out to the Allen Cup was a big, big thing to get out of here. So... I guess my question to Adam or anyone else that's listening, where are we with that? Are are there going to be teams that will be vying for the Allen Cup down the road? Uh, are we going to see, you know, Bentley and, and, and Stoney, you know, they're just resurrected team for the playoffs or for, for a, a postseason run or an Allen Cup run? Because it was great hockey. I mean, those guys were, I mean, they would go hard. It was lots of fun to watch those guys. And not taking anything away from where you guys are, um, with Delburn and Stetler and stuff, but this is a level up. Oh, 100%. You know? like, and it, like I said, our our league is all, like Delburn has 500 people in it. Like, what, what, are, we, what are we kidding here? And, and to play in that league, the ECSHL, it's local. You're allowed like one or two imports on your team. Otherwise, you have to live in the boundaries. Whereas you get up to this uh, double and senior A, Hockey, which the the scene the double a uh, senior league right now in Alberta is is great. There's a lot of teams and it's very competitive with Taskwin mm-hmm. with their new squad in the mix uh, to play against places like uh, Red Deer, Lacombe, who have like the formerly Bentley uh, Generals kind of moved down into that league. Um, like you're bringing guys in to play yeah. in this league, right? Like former pro players, and yeah, there's a few former pro guys mixed in in our league too. But that's just because they're coming back to their hometowns, right? Um, so, so yeah, I would love to see the scene like the Chinook League return to its former yes. glory. I'm just not sure if it's possible because I think people now, like, look at what happened to Smitty when he was playing in that. Like, and and that is a, a that's that, an exaggerated version because he obviously is a bit of a bigger target on his back because he's Ryan Smith. But that happens to people all the time too, and so it's just not. And when it gets to that competitive of a nature, I don't know if people find it worth it anymore to risk, you know injury sticks in the face whatever right that that's just the only only reasoning i could see to it you know, not making a comeback always heard rumors that that guy that lit up smitty had to leave town he had to move to bc would not shock me adam and spruce he's coming on he's helping us out nchl is senior double a around edmonton saskalta uh, is around lloyd minster ranchland hockey league is in the south mm-hmm. so again these would be double a leagues yes uh yeah the the NCHL, Bonneville, Devon, Morinville, Westlock, Camrose, Lacombe, Red Deer, and Wetaskiwin. And it's also, like, it's a big thing. Like, as you say, you go down to Delbert for the game on the on Friday, Saturday nights. It's a big thing. For, for these small towns. Sure like, it is. Like, we, uh, uh, Earl of Erskine. Yeah. Like, the Stetler, game, the Stetler games, they, like, Stetler is not a small arena, and it is packed to the brim. 
So is the Delburn rink, but that's like a couple hundred people, right? But in Stellar, like they're getting like approaching quadruple digits people coming mm-hmm. to these senior A hockey games. It, it's kind of like it takes like uh, like Earl said, like it is the ticket in town to do on a weekend night is to go to a game. When we come back, we are awaiting the arrival of one Brian Benning, former NHLer, played uh, 568 games, if you can believe it, in 1986-87 with the St. Louis Blues. He must have been on the power play. 13 goals, 36 assists, also played for the national team for a couple of seasons. So Brian Benning will join us uh, from 9 to 10 and. He can spin a yarn. He's got some good stories. And, uh, you know, obviously his kids are all very successful. Uh, his brother, dad in, in the hockey circle. So uh, before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update. Here's the Duke.